Dead men tell no tales. Fifty men loaded in man's chest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. Drink and the devil had done for the rest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. The ship with black sails that's crewed by the damned. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Black Pearl Show. Pirates of the Caribbean Minute podcast. What the hell? This is my introduction. What are you doing over there? Why are you laughing? Bull you were. I have never, ever screwed up the intro, and now look what you've done. (laughs) A Pirates of the Caribbean Minute podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis from... ScottArtist.com. And I'm Heather Artist from BlackPearlMinute.com. You're still laughing. I can hear it. I can see it. What the hell? And you destroyed the opener. Hope you're satisfied with that. I didn't destroy that. anything. It's a first ever of all these episodes. Now look what you've done. Really? Yeah. I think it was you that destroyed the opener. Because you were laughing. So? <laughs> Maybe we should have did a retake, but damn it. Now we don't have one. Thanks for joining us for Minute 48 of Dead Man's Chest. Man, you know, Mondays can be brutal. I'm just going to say it. And let me state the obvious. Days off are better than work days. But fear not, the Pirate Word of the Week just might get us through it. Well, that and shots of rum. We should be all set then for Mondays. Ahoy there, scallywags. Pirate Word of the Week in 5, 4, 3, 2, yarr. So, what do you have? What's the... Pirate word of the week. Don't give me that bilge. Don't give me that bilge. So it's like, uh, don't give me any S. Don't give me any crap or garbage. Garbage. Don't give me any garbage. That's so wholesome and Disney of you. (laughs) I don't even think people today go, what does that mean? (laughs) They're going to need a dictionary to figure that out. Because the S just rolls right off the tongue so readily these days. Not off my tongue. But readily these days is what I'm saying. Not off my tongue. That's what she says. But we know... That it does. Okay, some days it does, because you're just really angry at, well, after traversing the highways and byways of California, you come home ready to bite the heads off people. Well, I normally get all that out while in the car, not because after of bumper I get cars, home. Bumper car action? No, just I just ram. yell at people as I'm driving. Very ladylike of you. Hey. The anger just rolls right off your tongue while driving, doesn't it? Kind of. There you go. In the previous minute, old What's-Her-Face continues to capture the fancy of one dude who's willing to do whatever it takes to save that dolly bell. Another fellow with a bunch of trinkets and a swagger asks the dude what he knows about mythical fish face. Meanwhile, a superstitious scallywag steers the ship and appears not too happy with the unfolding situation. A quick aerial spin around that old island town and harbor gives us a new perspective, ultimately dropping us on the Edinburgh Trader where a bunch of sailor types fight over fancy garb. Or a wedding dress wedding dress but i apparently it went right over your head i was using because jack didn't know elizabeth's name i basically substituted oh what's your face for everybody in that did you get that i don't think you did oh you didn't get this lady some more grog please 
It's when her mind becomes coherent. <laughs> After she's had a one-two mini. Minute 48 begins with Bursar finishing his line to Captain Bellamy. Er. Because uh, it was Sir. But we cut off after the S. So, er. The ship is haunted. Captain replies, is it now? You. Directing his question to the quartermaster. The quartermaster responds, there's a female presence amongst us here, sir. All the men, they can feel it. The minute ends with Captain Bellamy telling the crew she's probably naked. The crew begin to chatter and scramble as they engage the captain's orders to find the female stowaway. Naked stowaway, by the way. Naked stowaway, exactly. Where or where to begin with this wholesome minute? The sheer potential for a woman on board, let alone the captain throwing out the word naked. I mean, come on. This is the stuff sailors live for. Or so I've heard. <laughs> well, if they have time to do this between their cursing, their raunchy tales, drinking rum, counteracting superstitions, and all those other things that they're up to. All those things that we hear about sailors besides actually sailing. Hey, I mean, cursing like a sailor phrase had to be there for a reason, right? Yep. Okay, then. Got that right. Maybe we just wind our way from the beginning. It usually works for some semblance of order. Usually. Are you sure? Kind of. Okay, maybe not. Here's what I love about this minute. Okay, hell, this movie. It's not afraid to jump on the stereotype bandwagon. It's almost like Ted, Terry, and Gore got together, probably over a bottle of rum or two, and said, I bet you can't get ten stereotypes and tropes into this one scene. <laughs> Challenge accepted! I mean, it's awesome. Not only do we get the classic sailors are incredibly superstitious, but we get damn near the entire kitchen sink of 18th century traditional thoughts about women. <laughs> And the cherry on top? Sailors. Those randy, uncontrollable dudes they are. Hear the word naked women, and they spring into action immediately. <laughs> you can't get them to do anything else, but naked woman? They're Johnny on the spot. Well, they want to be the first one to see the naked woman. That's true, I guess. I mean, really, guys? Really? I mean, mind you, the captain is just using this as a motivational tool to find the stowaway. They Cap don't know that, though. Captain is a motivational speaker. <laughs> Not that he really believes a naked woman is hiding on board the ship. I don't think he does. Maybe he thinks that there's a woman there, but not naked. He's just using it to rally the troops. Yeah. But let's just say that there is actually a naked woman here. So yes, let's say by chance a woman is naked and hiding on the ship. I'm going to take a wild stab at this, but she's probably not going to be just hanging around flaunting her goods saying, all righty boys, come and get me. I know that's what men all think when there's a naked woman. Yeah. <laughs> naked during the sailing time means something completely different than naked does now. Remember? Okay. Yeah, I know that that's the case. But I think a woman without her dress here, that there is one immediate assumption that she is actually naked here. And I think that for the movie and I think that for the sailors. She doesn't have the underdress? I don't think so. I think for this purpose and this comedic bit here that they're not going with traditional naked they're going as defined with, by 18th they're going century. With a birthday suit yes birthday suit and all that's what i'm saying we all think that that's the case when there's a woman there naked that you know she's just hey come on over and i just know that all out yeah i know she's not gonna be hooking up with all the sailors but in our minds we're thinking yeah it's probably just gonna be me actually not everybody <laughs> but i'm gonna be the lucky one because that's how guys minds work but no that doesn't happen. We can hope. So I don't want to take the hope away from everybody out there. But that's not really reality. Are you sure? Well, I don't know. I'm pausing because I don't want to <laughs> jinx it for everybody out there. For all you guys, I don't want to jinx it. I don't want to be that one guy. I know there's a code. Code of the pirate brethren there. Maybe they just want a peek like you said. A quick peek. They want to see some peeks. Arr! Possibly. 
They were just at Port Royal, though. Yet the chance of seeing a naked woman for free? Yeah, that's got their attention. Well, they're not having to pay for it. We're such easy pickings, I can tell you. I love the story they made up about this dress. Yeah, they have quite the story that unfolds for one simple piece of clothing. Yeah. <laughs> that they don't even know how it got there. <laughs> a widowed young ghost lady who lost her husband in a... Who's lost at sea or her sailor lost at sea or something. Oh, you're jumbling that up. See, the problem is is you're not a man, so you don't have this cataloged correctly because in your mind it's just one jumble and it doesn't really matter because it's not real. But in a guy's mind, yeah, this could be real stuff happening here. This is, I'm sorry to say this is an emergency. This is real naked lady action here on the board of the ship. And it's possible that they could get a peek or some peeks. But what if it is a ghost story? Well, what I'm saying is, is... Okay, there's a couple of things here. The ghost story situation is so emblematic of how myths and legends get started really easily. Yeah. One piece of clothing, all of a sudden they have a whole backstory of this haunted ghost that we, in the 21st century, would be reading about one day. Oh my God, the Edinburgh Trader? It was haunted and this is the whole story about it. We're actually getting a sneak peek of how this actually began (laughs) with a simple dress that guys were fighting over and they had this weird feeling because they're all superstitious. And we're reading about it now. Boom. That is every ghost story right there. Yeah. So it is interesting. Yeah. But they they really have the the creativity to come up with a good backstory for her. I mean, we hit some a lot of stereotypes here, like you were saying. Superstitious sailors. This includes the notion that all men can feel a female presence. Well, let me tell you this. Yeah. That's not what you're feeling, buddy. It's your imagination and your trousers, sir. That's what you're feeling. That's what's pushing up against you. You better step off, son. Sailors can't control themselves around a naked or potentially naked woman. That might be true. I don't know. You don't know that yet. I don't know that yet. The woman must be a virgin. Yeah, this goes without saying. It's definitely true, especially in the 18th century. That's her wedding dress. She was widowed before her actual wedding. That's right. So. And in their fantasy. This is like. (laughs) This is what they had before we had visual media. This is the precursor to porno. I'm just going to say it. Searching for a husband? Lord forbid she enter old maid territory. Not only that, if you die before you're married... You will come back to haunt sailors because you'll be in limbo for having an unfulfilled life. (laughs) Oh, the humanity. That's probably why so many ghosts are women. You heard it here first. I just solved the woman is ghost. Because this is their stereotypes of women. I'm not saying I agree with that. My eyes didn't shift on purpose. I was just uh, looking at my notes. Uh Uh-huh. You think ghosts are women. Plus, every woman needs a man. This is 18th century fact. Yes, women are manhunters. I think there's even a song about it, so it must be true. Uh-huh. That's the greatness of this minute. All these fun tropes presented on a merchant ship for everyone to enjoy. It's good Disney stuff. It's it's just a good teaching moment for kids, too. <laughs> Go to Pirates of the Caribbean <laughs> with your kids, and you can tell them they need to get married to avoid becoming an old maid, avoid becoming a ghost, and you can fill your son in on the treachery of man-trapping women. <laughs> it's good advice for your son. Get out there. All the good things that come from a Disney movie, Pirates of the Caribbean. We can talk about superstitions and the reality of women, maybe in the 18th century. Maybe. Send all your hate mail to Heather. Here's the big question of the minute. Can Elizabeth Swan pass as a man, a young man? Does this pass the float test? No, not really. If you look at her. That's what I'm saying. She's really girly looking. 
That's exactly it. I'm having trouble believing she could actually pass as a man on this ship. I know it's been done in real life. Okay, we talked about women pirates dressing as men in season one at some point. Yeah. Plus, it happened all over the place. I mean, this isn't isolated here. And plus, because I want to say another plus, it's also stuff that's happened in the movie on numerous occasions. Not the movie. In movies, I should say. In film. Think of Swiss Family Robinson, probably the one that I can think of most readily. The woman, dressed as a boy, Fritz and Ernest, I think, or Ernst. Ernst. Find out that it's a actual woman. Yeah. Then all the stuff ensues. You know, the two guys have to fight over that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it's been done. Just like pirates. Exactly. And maybe we can bring some history about this into a later episode when we revisit Elizabeth Swan on the Edinburgh Trader. Maybe. There's something we haven't covered before. She seems too, let's just say soft to get by as a man. Can we say that? Soft is a good word. Especially with all the burly guys on board. Just the appears she's like well she sticks out like a sore thumb here yeah i don't even know what else to say about that <laughs> she I seems too clean also yeah if you take a look at her clothes as she's running away with everybody else searching for the naked woman she seems a bit clean well they can feel her presence yeah <laughs> and i'm sure it's the perfume <laughs> because she had to have washed to get that perfume off of her you know she was wearing perfume Oh, probably to get the stench away. So what about the perfume? Probably been a few That's days why they feel her passed. presence. They smell her. She just smells different than everyone. Yes. That's what I have to they say. They probably think it's coming from the dress. Oh, I'm sure they do. They would have to at that point. They're like, we can smell her. We're getting closer. Is she standing right there? Come on, guys. Open your damn eyes. Since we're talking about the crew anyways, we have some new crewmen to discuss. Some introductions are in order for sure. Max Baker portrays the bursar. It's Bursar on IMDb's cast list, and that's with an E. And Pirates Wikia listed as Bursar, because I'm enunciating it differently so you can hear that there's an A there. And it's probably because this relates to the job function being that of the money person, yet it actually refers to a person who manages the financial affairs of a college or university, not a ship. However, I think the script or the credits or something, and this is something we'll have to look to when we actually get to the credits to see if it mm. wasn't a typo on IMDb. Or a typo in Pirates Wikia. But what is actually in the movie? And I probably should have did that ahead of time. But we can discuss it when we get to the credits. Yeah. But it probably should have been Purser. And that's with a P, not a B. An officer on a ship whose job is to handle matters relating to money. Sounds like that is maybe a typo or something that happened somewhere along the yeah. line. Yeah. Because it's so close. Or, exactly. Yeah. Someone heard it, a P and a B, whatever. Yeah. Anyways, Max has 43 screen credits to his name, stretching back to 1994. Mostly TV shows, but the one that really caught my attention is the upcoming Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Look for him as Mr. Swanbeck. There you go. There's a few more things that we can revisit as far as crew, but the last one I'm going to mention today is Captain Bellamy, since we left him out the last time. He was portrayed by Alex Norton. He's a Scottish actor and has been quite busy with 102 credits on his IMDb resume. Goes all the way back to the late 1960s. A few notable works, or dare I say recognizable, let's say recognizable, we don't have to go notable, is Patriot Games, Disney's Squanto, A Warrior's Tale, because I said Disney, that was a link, Braveheart, Count of Monte Cristo, 2002, favorite of mine, he portrayed Napoleon. Oh, really? Yeah. And there's lots more, lots of TV in the UK, that kind of stuff, so that's why I said notable as far as I was concerned. Uh, and back to the career of Captain Bellamy, and it's rumored that he may have been named for a real-life 18th century pirate known as Black Sam Bellamy. Oh, really? 
who lived from 1689 to 1717. Oh, wow. I mean, this is loosely, though, because I think basically it's just like a sharing of the name and there's like little other things that connect the two. As far as Black Sam Bellamy is concerned, he's actually really interesting. And so since there was a link and this is a pirate show, I had to think there's some history going on here because there is a lot of cool facts that happen. Though his known career really as a pirate lasted little more than a year. That's it? Short-lived pirate, yeah. Wow. That's not where it gets interesting. He and his crew captured at least 53 ships during that time, making him the wealthiest pirate in recorded history before his death at age 28, according to Forbes. Forbes magazine. 28, wow. He tops their list with an adjusted for inflation haul of $120 million in 2008 dollars. Jeez. Yeah, right? He was called Black Sam in Cape Cod folklore because he eschewed this fashionable powdered wig. So he decided to go against tradition and not use a powdered wig like everybody else did. And went in favor of tying back his long black hair with a simple band. Instead of a bow, huh? Exactly. Huh. And he left off the powdered wig, so Black Sam. Bellamy became known for his mercy and generosity toward those he captured on his raids. And his reputation earned him another nickname, the Prince of Pirates. And... Of course, who doesn't? He likened (laughs) himself to Robin Hood, (laughs) with his crew calling themselves Robin Hood's men. So they stole from the rich and gave to the poor? Uh, You can kind of say that. I have a quote here, too. You are a devilish conscience, rascal. I am a free prince, and I have as much authority to make war on the whole world as he who has a hundred sail of ships at sea and an army of a hundred thousand men in the field. And this, my conscience tells me... But there is no arguing with such sniveling puppies who allow superiors to kick them about deck at pleasure. And that was Captain Bellamy, quoted by Captain Charles Johnson in 1724, a general history of the robberies and murders of the most notorious pirates. Huh. And the reason I really wanted to do that is because we, as Heather mentioned before, we have a puppy. And she's very loud that we can't exclude from the studio. And so this makes it hard. Let's just say that. So the background ambiance is not crickets and banjo music and croaking frogs and water. All the stuff that you might find at the Blue Bayou, Pirates of the Caribbean kind of thing. No, it's a puppy running around because she won't settle down outside and she won't settle down inside. But at least she's trying to be somewhat quiet, except for the pitter-patter of her little feet. (laughs) And playing with our other dog, Froggy, because they just can't help but play with each other. Froggy's only a year and a half anyway, so... So Froggy and Cricket running around the studio, giving you that nice ambiance, that low rumble that you probably hear. <laughs> as back to Captain Bellamy, as I was saying before, distracted by puppies and Bellamy's quote that tied things together. I wish we could get transitions to actually be that good. Usually. That'd be nice. No, we don't. As well known to his contemporaries and chroniclers as a distinctive figure, a tall, strong, well-mannered, and very tidy man. He liked expensive clothes, especially black coats. His favorite weapons were four dueling pistols that he always carried in his sash. He made a dashing figure in his long, deep-cuffed velvet coat, knee breeches, silk stockings, and silver buckled shoes, with a sword slung on his left hip and four pistols on his sash. Unlike some of his fellows, Bellamy never wore the fashionable powdered wig, but grew his dark hair long and tied it back with a black satin bow. So there was a bow there. Okay. And this was according to another author, which I now escapes me, the name. So it wasn't just a... It wasn't just a hair tie, but that wasn't the important part. It's the wig, Heather, the wig. Don't focus on the bow. Yeah, but I was just curious because a lot of the powder wigs were held back by black bows. 
Yeah, so he didn't escape all the fashionable stuff. He still had to have the bow. Okay. It's like a training bro. A <laughs> bro. <laughs> the bro. Seinfeld reference. Insert here. The man's ear. No. The, a training bow. Let's just say that. On April 26, 1717, his ship, the Witta, was driven onto the sandbar shoals in 16 feet of water, some 500 feet from the coast of what is now Wellfleet, Massachusetts. Here's the interesting part. At 15 minutes past midnight, the mast snapped and drew the heavily loaded ship into 30 feet of water where she capsized and quickly sank, taking Bellamy and all but two of the Witta's 145-man crew with her. Really? Yeah. All of them died except two. Wow. 103 bodies were known to have washed ashore and were buried by the town coroner, leaving 41 bodies unaccounted for. Oh, wow. Yeah, exactly. 1717. Fast forward to July 1984. Like I said, this is a cool story. It gets cooler, though. Bellamy, there's already that he's the top of the list, but there's another first for him, too. So, like I said, fast forward to July 1984. Bellamy became famous again when the discovery of the wreckage of his flagship, Witta, was announced and would soon become the first authenticated pirate shipwreck ever discovered in North America. Wow. At the time of its sinking, the Witta was the largest pirate prize ever captured, and the treasure in its hold amassed roughly 4.5 to 5 tons including huge quantities of indigo, ivory, gold, and 20,000 to 30,000 pounds sterling, divided into 180 sacks of 50 pounds each. Jeez. Now that's some serious treasure action. So did that go to the state and... Oh, why would you bring that up? Are you trying to harm me? Are you trying to put an arrow through my heart by even asking that question? No. Damn you, you government. <laughs> Just taking people's treasure finds like that. It wouldn't seriously doubt me if that happened. And I don't want to know. I'm hoping not. I'm hoping that it wasn't well, returned. I don't want to get into it. I didn't actually get that far into it. I don't, I think, I don't know. Let's, let's pretend that I don't want to know. I want to pretend like the guys who found it actually got this money. Not, well, it didn't go to the government. I'm not so sure about that because if it was reported that all this was found, the government would take it. Not necessarily take it. I mean, they might be taxed on it and stuff. I don't know the particulars of this situation, if there was some claim by governments or government to try and claim some of this cash. Yeah. But I don't know if I really want to know. I just want to think that it goes to the treasure hunters. Maybe they pay their tax. Okay. But I don't like to see that that stuff gets claimed after all these years, especially after the treasure hunters go after it and get this stuff. I just want to see it go to the treasure hunters. Okay. We'll believe that it went to the treasure hunters. And I'm not saying it didn't or it did because I didn't get that far because we got a lot of stuff going on. So I had to hurry things up. I didn't get to spend my usual six to seven hours prepping. The point was, is that I wanted to have, well, I wanted to talk a little history and I wanted to bring some cool treasure hunting facts and this made the opportunity. And then you go and bring it down with government taking people's treasure. How dare you? I mean, seriously, how dare you? I really didn't mean to. I was just curious and because the government takes everything. I'd like to know. Takes for, everything. Now you're going so far. The hyperbole is afoot. <laughs> I like to know one time that the treasure hunters actually got to keep what they found. Oh, they do. They do. A lot of times. I'm just saying, I don't know in this particular situation. Okay. There is a danger oftentimes where other countries will try and make a claim against ships or galleons, Spanish galleons, things like that that are found. Yeah. I don't know here. Let's just pretend that they get to keep it. Maybe next time I'll report back what happened. If it doesn't make me sad. So yeah, I got caught up in some pirate history. And I have some more stuff, but I think I'm going to save it for next time. It was on haunted ships. Kind of a haunted ships discussion that we could have when we come back to the Edinburgh Trader at some point. Okay. Because Elizabeth has some stuff up her sleeve that make like a great connection to haunted ships. 
Not necessarily ghost ships. I'm not talking ghost ships here. But actual haunted ships. It's a better connection than the crew just saying things are haunted. It's actually like some haunting things going on. That's why I'm saying that. So I'm going to save it for next time. And who doesn't like haunted ships? Oh, I'm always up for a haunting. Shiver me timbers. I don't know if you're supposed to say that. Isn't that just inviting evil spirits? No, a haunting story. Next thing you know, it's a Ouija board time in here. No, 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 no. I'm always up for a haunting story. Is that better? You better say that because I think the spirits heard you and said, oh, she wants a haunting? No, 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 no. I don't want a haunting. Now we're going to have all those women from the 18th century who died before they were married and they're all like these old ghost maids that are now haunting men. Now they're going to be haunting you. No, 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 no. That's what stereotypes haunting tell us. Haunting stories. That's what they told us would happen to women right here on Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay. So instead of ending on haunting ships, it's a teaser about haunted ships. I know, I hate teasers too. So I guess I apologize, maybe. Not. Yeah, exactly. Anything else on your end, Heather? That's it for me. I swear. That little puppy and froggy driving me nuts in here. <laughs> I shoot them out for the this last This episode actually took 16 hours to record <laughs> because of the pausing and to try and quiet her down. We'll be back on Wednesday with Minute 49 of Dead Man's Chest. Until then, Scallywags. Let's keep the horn swoggling and the treasure-stealing government actions to a minimum. That's for you, Heather, because you think the government steals everybody's money. <laughs> well. And I'm not denying it. <laughs> Got proof on my paycheck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You've been listening to The Black Pearl Show, and we appreciate it, scallywags. Heather, I know you're still on pirate time and kicking back with the booze, but you may have noticed... Actually, who am I kidding? The only thing you've noticed lately is the inside of the Faithful Bride Tavern. Anyways, our procrastination has paid off yet again and Season 2 is here and we are willfully unprepared. Maybe we can distract people with a Jack Sparrow wave of the hands and send people across that thing called the internet. Check us out on Facebook.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, Twitter.com slash Black Pearl Men, Instagram.com slash Black Pearl Show, SoundCloud.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean, that's for best of clips, and by all means give us a plug and review on iTunes. We'd appreciate it, mateys. Oh, and let's not forget the Facebook Cursed Crew listeners group for post-episode discussions. That's actually a lot to remember, especially if you're in a foggy haze like Heather. Just go to blackpearlshow.com and everything is there at the click of a button. Perhaps I should have just said that from the beginning. Yo ho ho and a bottle of a rum. Yo! This is a Shoutreach Media Production. Pirates don't need no stinking disclaimers, but just for fun. I think all you dirty, filthy bildrats know that Disney and Bruckheimer Films have no affiliation with us at all, and we have none with those blooming cockroaches. We talk about Pirates of the Caribbean, which is their property, and all that other fun stuff. But I think it's obvious what's ours and what's theirs. There's no need to blur the lines or stir up a bloody rum-filled sweat. As for the music... That's with permission or licensed under Creative Commons. So let's give a shout out to Ross Bugden, Six Nail Coffin, and Tommy Wynn. The rest? Well, that's just me. Oh, and maybe Heather.